Canada Conversations is brought to you by Deloitte Canada, helping you navigate the complex challenges your company faces through recovery and enabling you to thrive in the new normal. To learn more, visit Deloitte.ca. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the December 18th, 2020 episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. I'm your host, Greg Layson, the digital and mobile editor here at Automotive News Canada. My guest today has only been on the job for three short weeks, but that doesn't mean he's not intimately familiar with all it entails. He's been in the industry as a high-ranking Ford executive for years. He'll offer some insight into what life is like for dealers living in the teeth of a pandemic and all the restrictions it brings with it. He'll also try and answer the question of whether Albertans will ever buy EVs, and he'll offer his take on what might be in store for 2021 when it comes to sales in that province. All that and more when I speak with the new head of the Alberta Motor Dealers Association, Mr. Gerald Wood, on this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. Gerald, thanks for joining me on the podcast this week. My pleasure, Greg. I'm uh, really pleased to join you. We're glad to have you. Let's start by giving people a chance to maybe get to know you. Um, give me a, a brief history of your time in the auto industry and how you ultimately ended up in the position as head of the uh, Motor Dealers Association of Alberta. Wow, that could be uh, a long story, so I'll <laughs> keep it brief. Sure. Um, you know, I joined the auto industry right out of school. I uh, went to school at St. Mary's back east in Halifax. And there's been the question a number of times, you know, how did you choose the auto industry? Because there tends to be lots of people who love cars and just can't wait to get in the auto industry. And I wouldn't say that I chose it as much as it chose me. Okay. Uh, I started with Ford Credit, uh, the financing arm of Ford. And, you know, the, the one really cool thing about Ford Motor Company is that you get an opportunity to do a lot of different things uh, if you are lucky enough to spend 31 years there like I did. So like I say, I started in credit collecting past due accounts uh, right at the very bottom and very quickly started to get different jobs. Uh, that culminated out east with uh, an opportunity to actually physically sit in a dealership for six months. Uh, they were having some financial issues, so we were paying close attention to what they were doing, but it really gave me an opportunity to see how the retail side of things worked uh, from afar when I didn't have to take responsibility for it, which was kind of cool. Right. That very quickly turned into a move from coast to coast to Vancouver and uh, did a number of jobs in that branch out there. Crazy things going on, you know, in the early 90s uh, in Vancouver. We spent a lot of time 10 to 15 people short of what we were supposed to have to get the job done because you just couldn't find people to work out there back then. Worked my way all the way up to the operations manager and then Ford Motor Company came knocking and said, uh, would you like to come over and try the manufacturing side of the business, which, you know, in Canada really is sales and marketing. Right. I've heard that before, that that sort of really is the primary focus in, in those types of positions at Ford Motor Company here. Well, you know, we've got the manufacturing operations specifically in Oakville, yep. but at the end of the day, Ford of Canada uh, per se really is a sales and marketing organization that relies very very heavily on the U.S. So I got dipped into the fleet market uh, at the, in that job out, uh, out west, got to visit a whole bunch of logging camps, driving a 
purple super duty which you know the the camp guys got a big kick out of i didn't even know they made purple was that custom or was that uh, that was a color choice back then <laughs> the marketing guys called it sapphire blue <laughs> and uh, the, i think my predecessor thought it was a great joke that i got to drive a purple super duty for as my demo for the first period of time <laughs> in that job the the guys in the logging camps thought it was hilarious too um, you know, from there, it was interesting. I, I quickly, it was only four months in the fleet area, and I stepped into market representation where you're getting involved in the sale of dealerships and, and who gets to become dealers. And I think that was my first taste of where I really wanted to get to within Ford. Uh, that's a, a, a very cool part of the business um, where you get to see something different every day. So I did that for, again, a very brief period of time. And interestingly enough, Ford Credit came knocking again and said, how would you like to move back to Oakville, uh, help our management team in marketing and sales operations, which I did uh, and spent some another six years um, doing a number of different jobs in the head office. And, and that actually, again, was split between credit and Ford Motor Company. So for a while, I was suggesting that neither company could decide who really wanted me. <laughs> Uh, so I bounced back and forth. I got an opportunity to work with the auto collection um, program that Ford tried to execute, where they thought that they needed to be retailers and wanted to get involved in being dealers. Uh, I can look back and giggle at that now. I was pretty serious about it at the time, but it was a failed experiment that we learned an insane amount of things about ourselves. And and really learned that manufacturers should stay out of the retail business. <laughs> uh, that uh, that very quickly evolved into uh, Ford Motor Company tried to, or actually were very successful with Six Sigma, the process improvement uh, program. I was the Canadian deployment manager for that, oversaw both the manufacturing operations and the sales and marketing side of the business. I did that for a couple of years, and then it was my first trip to Edmonton. And uh, they came to me one night. My wife was uh, one day away from having our third child, and they said, we'd like you to move to Edmonton. And it's like, are you crazy? You want to <laughs> send me home to tell my wife, who's going in to have the baby tomorrow, that we uh, were moving? And they said, sure, uh, which I did, uh, because that's kind of the way we did things uh, back then. Sure. Uh, my wife initially said, no, are you crazy? But uh, we did spend three years uh, in Edmonton, what I call the first go around, the test drive, uh, as the sales manager here. And then they took me back to Oakville, as I call it, to reprogram my brain. Uh, I was the sales and production manager, so I did all the forecasting of industry and production schedules for Canada for three years in Oakville and spent that three years begging uh, to come back to Edmonton because my wife and the whole family had really fallen in love with the area. And certainly I saw it as being at home, uh, which for a guy from the East coast is saying a lot. And, uh, lo and behold, uh, after three years in Oakville, they said, if you really want the job, it's yours. Uh, and then I spent 11 years uh, as the general manager uh, of Western Canada. What had changed when I was here the first time Western Canada, there was a separate office in, in British Columbia. Uh, when I came back, it, it included Manitoba, Saskatchewan, Alberta, and BC, uh, and the territories. So I suggested that it, it, I had 
way more of the dirt in Canada than anybody else did. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it was 11 amazing years. Just uh, had a, a lot of fun working with the dealers uh, out on the West. And, you know, we sell a lot of trucks out here. And uh, for Ford Motor Company, that makes your job pretty good. Uh, I arrived right on the, the back end of the the last economic meltdown, not to talk about the one that we're in now or just yet. But so, you know, there was a lot of digging yourself out of the hole, dusting yourself off and moving forward. And we had some really incredible years. And so you retire, but I mean, was that, it must've been a void. I mean, how did you end up back in the auto industry and, and not enjoying the mountains and the fishing and the outdoors, everything that comes along with Alberta, which is a beautiful province. I spent three years of my life out there as well. Uh, what, what was missing? Why did you get back into the mix? Well, I knew when I left that I was going to miss the people. And, you know, I had thought long and hard about retirement and, you know, really believed my parents retired early. So it was kind of embedded in my mind. So it was more, we're going to give this a shot. And it started out incredibly well. I quickly joined a golf club, played 105 rounds of golf my first summer. (laughs) Uh, the, the plan in the winter was to travel and, you know, we did a little bit of that, uh, in the first winter, uh, I visited my parents in Naples and flew home the day that the pandemic was declared and, you know, really had no idea how crazy it was going to get from that point on, but all the way through the 18 months that I was retired, it, it validated what I was, what I knew I would miss. And that was the people. And, you know, when you, when you retire from a career of 30 years, you wake up the next day realizing that all of your friends are all work people. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing, but you, you have to search a little bit for some friends outside of the industry because you get sucked back into it uh, as right. ultimately happened. And, you know, I wasn't actively looking for something new, uh, but knew that I missed the people and a few dealers I would stay connected with and chatted with them periodically. So I had a bit of an idea what was going on in the industry. And then I got a phone call from uh, one of my dealers out of Calgary who said, Hey, you know, it, it looks like the president's position in the MDA is going to come available. We think you'd be really good at it. And I actually was on the golf course when that phone call came (laughs) completely destroyed my golf game from that point on because the the wheels started turning and it's like, you know what, if there was ever a position that fit what I'm all about and what I like to do, this is it. Uh, Because it really is about communicating with the dealer body. Uh, There's a little bit of government work along the way and, you know, that's a gap and it's an opportunity for me to develop and and learn more. Uh, But boy, uh, to be able to have a job that the primary responsibility is to stay connected with the dealer body, uh, I couldn't ask for anything better. And I'm not sure there's another job out there that would have convinced me that I should uh, come out of retirement this early on and uh, and jump into this type of a role but i can tell you that uh, just coming up on 3 weeks in the in the job i am absolutely loving it already even in this crazy time that we're in the middle of and i think it, it can only get better as we go on uh, that was 
where I was going next. You take over during a pandemic that has hit Alberta particularly hard of late. Several new restrictions, including capacity limits and showrooms, added uh, on December 8th, I believe it was. Just paint me a picture. What's life like for your members right now in the middle of a pandemic? Uh, I would say it's been an incredible roller coaster and some days it's a really good roller coaster and some days not so much you know obviously when when it all started back in march and april it was horrific because the world really shut down and didn't know what was going on mm-hmm. and and to be honest alberta got pretty confident we were in a really good shape it, we the first go around we managed it exceptionally well uh, and we still don't know what went sideways, but boy, we are in the teeth of it now. The restrictions that have been put in place, um, I would say, have been manageable for the most part. Uh, the biggest challenge, uh, as with any government organization, is to try and get answers. And you know, as you can imagine, with a retailer, uh, they're trying to not break the rules because they don't want to get in trouble on that side of things. Uh, but I, you know, Alberta Health Services, I suspect, is getting hundreds of phone calls a day, trying to get clarifications and the like. So, you know, the capacity restrictions, all you know, it's you have to manage it, but it hasn't been horrible. I, I think the mask wearing has been uncomfortable, uh, but again, manageable. I think the the biggest thing, and I think this second wave of restrictions is where it's really going to uh, come to roost, uh, is what it's doing to consumer confidence. And I think society in general, especially in this province, uh, really wants this thing to be over. And it's causing people, you know, we, we've got basically a stay-at-home order from a work perspective, uh, which is going to spill over a little bit. If you're being told you can't leave the house to go to work, why would you go out to a shopping mall or to a car dealership right. uh, to purchase a car? Now, some people say, because that's the only thing I'm allowed to do <laughs> to get out of the sure. house, yeah. which is great, but uh, we're, we're really concerned on, on what it's doing or, and what it's going to do, uh, at least over the next 30 days, to consumer confidence and can we keep the business going in a time when it's generally fairly slow anyway. Uh, but obviously, uh, the dealerships need to, to keep the business going so that they can keep the lights on. We'll hear more from Gerald Wood after this short break. The COVID-19 pandemic has had an unprecedented impact on the world's population and economy. Social distancing and self-isolation measures have taken consumers out of the auto retail market, while concern over worker safety continues in manufacturing facilities globally. An increasingly distressed supply base is facing the potential for large-scale liquidity issues, which may lead to increased M&A activity throughout the ecosystem. Significant uncertainty remains around the permanence of current consumer behaviors and the extent to which they will be able to re-engage with the sector. Through Deloitte's State of the Consumer Tracker series, we discuss timely data and trends and highlight key consumer insights. We also explore how behavioral preferences take shape over time to allow businesses to make strategic decisions in this dynamic market environment. The ongoing survey results are also available via an interactive dashboard, the Deloitte Global State of the Consumer Tracker. Check in every two weeks to explore new consumer insights and emergent trends. Welcome back to the show where I'm speaking with Gerald Wood, the head of the Alberta Motor Dealers Association. 
Is that your priority at the moment, getting your members through the pandemic? I just wonder if you came in with a set of priorities or, you know, a list of things to do in the first hundred days or any sort of uh, roadmap that you'd like to follow, or does that, or does this pandemic make it impossible to plan even 30 or 60 or 90 days out? So my typical style in the first hundred days is to try and do as little as possible and listen and watch and try not to make any decisions. However, um, this has been, I would say, 85% about making sure that we manage what's going on with the pandemic and, and being reactive to our members if questions come up. You know, obviously, as each set of restrictions has been announced, We've been sifting through those, helping the dealers understand how it applies to them specifically. And then, you know, I actually sat back on my chair and go, oh, wow, okay, we got through that. I think everybody's good now. And then you get a phone call from a dealer saying, listen, I need to pick up a dealer trade. I have to send two people in the same car. Is that allowed? And you go, wow, all right, hadn't thought of that. Right. You know what? I've never thought of that until you brought it up. That That's a great point. I mean, these are things that just, they're unintended consequences, right? That the rules change and then you go, well, how do I deal with that? that you must be getting calls like that all the time. It, it, and you never know what it's going to be. So you have to be ready to uh, make assessments, be really close with Alberta Health Services to get clarifications. And, and they've been great, uh, you know, with with everything that they're trying to manage. And, and I, you know, I give them a lot of credit. They're trying to let common sense prevail, but at the same time, they're trying to send a message that, you know, people have to stay apart if we're going to get past this thing and give the vaccines an opportunity to get in place so that we can, uh, so that we can function the way that we're used to uh, in the not too distant future. You mentioned politics and the government side of things. In 2019, the uh, Motor Dealers Association of Alberta raised uh, $800,000 for the United Conservative Party's campaign, which ultimately ended up winning the party, or became the winning party, excuse me, in the provincial election then. How politically involved will the association be in the future? Was that a one-time thing, or did it really capture something that the members want to stay involved in? Is it something you've been involved in in the past or, or want to continue for, for these members? I'm just wondering what lies ahead politically for the party, because really, I personally have never seen a dealer's association get that actively involved in a campaign, and I just wonder what happens moving forward. Yeah, and I don't think that's necessarily our role uh, as we move forward. Uh, obviously, there's there's always a high level of interest in in which party is going to represent uh, and, and make the decisions. And you know, we'll we'll work closely. Uh, I think the the best way to approach this is to work with the varying departments that have a direct impact on what's going on in our day-to-day business operations. So, you know, the Department of Motor Vehicles, certainly the Minister of Transport is uh, an area that we uh, stay very closely with and and our partners at AMVIC uh, who handle pretty much everything uh, as it relates to uh, retailing cars. uh, We work really closely with them. We've got great relationships with them and we want to make sure that we uh, continue to get mutually beneficial decisions Uh, and you know obviously those organizations have the consumer at the forefront the good news is so do we 
And uh, I think if we work really closely together, we can come up with solutions uh, that make it better so that we don't have to worry about the actual political side of things at the end of the day. Sticking with politics, sort of, for a second, the, the federal liberal government in their fall economic statement announced millions of dollars for electric vehicle rebates and EV infrastructure. Will that help EV sales in Alberta or is even more needed either from the federal or Alberta government or even automakers? I just wonder, is there a market in Alberta for electric vehicles? And if there isn't, how do you get there? Because you mentioned it earlier. I mean, you moved to truck country. There's no question about it. I just wonder how that transition happens in Alberta. What needs to be done? Well, I think, you know, electrification in Alberta is always an interesting discussion. Sure. <laughs> uh, obviously, it's uh, it, it flies in the face a little bit of, you know, what historically has uh, has made this province what it is. However, is there a market for electric vehicles? I, I think absolutely. Uh, there's no question that the technology has got a long way to go before it's going to work uh, en masse. In, in a lot of the rural areas of Alberta. And, you know, Alberta is a big province that has two massive cities. And is there an electrification play there today? Sure. And we're selling vehicles there today. And, you know, I think we will continue to do so and it will continue to grow. Uh, but until the manufacturers are able to resolve the range issue, uh, a lot of the rural areas just simply aren't there yet. Yeah, I think you're talking about towns like, you know, you could name Bonneville or Olds or Drayton Valley. I mean, these are, they're they're big towns, but they're not in the big city. And to get to and from the big city to those small towns is, is quite a hike. And to electrify the small towns might not quite be worth it yet. Is is that safe to say? Well, it's a bit of a chicken and the egg situation with, sure. with the infrastructure to recharge and so on. And I was chatting with a colleague the other day about, you know, and, and sometimes I'm not the target market. Uh, I'm very set in my ways. I like my gasoline engine. Uh, I have the, I've got three, uh, 20 year old, uh, kids who see things a little bit differently than I do. Um, <laughs> but the reality is uh, I, I have a hard time getting my head around how someone on a, on a 400 kilometer an hour or sorry, a 400 kilometer journey is going to plan for a 30 to 40 minute recharge session somewhere in that trip. That's if they can find a recharging station. Now, some of that will resolve itself as, uh, as uh, charging stations are built. Uh, but really what, what it comes down to is, is the range on these. And, and a lot of that is battery technology uh, has going to have to change and, and it will and the the big debate is how long it's going to take for electric vehicles to to kind of take over and and be a majority of the vehicles sold. And you know, if 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 I thought I could forecast that, I probably would have taken a different job and I'd be <laughs> making way more money. <laughs> I mean, do Albertans are they open to the idea of electric pickups? The, the the vehicles that do the jobs they need them to do are they open to that idea, or are they just 
uh, a bit closed off to electrification altogether because it is an oil province. There's no question about it. I lived out there. I'm familiar with it. I totally understand it. I just wonder what the attitude is and, and how it changes. Is it more geared or tied to the fact that it is an oil producing province or is it more tied to the fact that you know, automakers just don't quite offer the vehicles people in Alberta need at this particular moment in time. So I, I, you know, I was at Ford when the marketing guys came to me and said, we're going to take your V8 pickup, which is the best selling in the world. And we're going to put a V6 engine in it and your customers are going to love it. And I said, you are out of your bloody minds. (laughs) Um, And holy cow, you know, you look at that, particular powertrain now and how successful it has been. The way I would answer your question is for Albertans, it's about capability. And one thing that I got a taste of, and I think uh, Albertans will react to very well, the the electric powertrains are incredibly capable. Uh, And as long as they can put up with the rigor that an Albertan or a typical Albertan, I would say, put those vehicles through, yes, they will adopt it. Will every single Albertan go, yeah, I'd love to have an electric vehicle? No, um, and, and I, wouldn't, I don't know that the world will ever, ever go completely that way, but I think they're open to it as long as it is able to do what it's capable of doing. The year's winding down, to use your own words earlier in this interview. It's been a roller coaster ride for sure when it comes to sales in particular. What do you expect to see in 2021 how does this play out from a retail standpoint for your members and maybe quarter by quarter or even in the first half of the year what do you see happening um, from a sales perspective in 2021 it's it, it's going to be uh, uh, i'll call it a slow recovery uh, if, if we just look at 2021 on its own i think it's a it, it's a recovery that's going to accelerate as we go through the year as long as these vaccines are uh, as as good and reliable uh, as as they're claiming, I think the first half of the year there's probably still going to be, hopefully not to the same level from a restriction perspective, but they will slowly start to ease them, um, and and hopefully what comes with that is the consumer sentiment that allows them to come out of. Uh, I'll call it a funk, but we all know why it's the way it is. And I think, you know, the one thing that Albertans have shown, and I saw it back in 2008 when we came out of the last meltdown, they're probably as quick as anybody to react to the market getting going. Uh, But I think there's going to be enough restrictions in place through the first half of the year that it's probably going to be a little bit slower than any of us want. Uh, and then I anticipate, you know, the back half of the year, if if things really start to loosen up, we'll start things start to uh, to go pretty quickly. And uh, you know, we we just want to make sure that uh, as a, an auto industry, we're in a good position to be able to to open the doors to those customers and uh, and sell them all kinds of vehicles and service all kinds of vehicles and be ready to go. Gerald, I appreciate the time. Terrific conversation. Um, You're highly qualified for that job. I wish you all the best in the position. Thanks for joining me this week. I really appreciate it. Thanks very much. We reached Gerald at his home office in Alberta. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, have a suggestion, or simply want to comment, email me at glason at autonews.com. And remember, you can listen to all our previous shows on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play. 
or on our website, automotivenews.ca. That does it for this episode of Automotive News Canada Conversations. We hope you'll join us next time. So long, everybody.